0: Hello and welcome to the Herbert Smith Freehills Inside the Headlines podcast. Every year we go out to campuses across the UK and show students some examples of the work we do and the work they could be doing should they join us as a trainee. This year we're creating a series of podcasts so you can hear from the people who worked on each project to understand what they did and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it's like to work on them. I'm Kathy Mattis, Head of Process and Automation for UK, US and EMEA and part of the Global Legal Operations team at Herbert Smith Freehills. I'll be hosting today's podcast and I'm joined by Milan Baxter and Adam Morris to speak about the GDPR Data Breach Notification Tool, a tool they've recently designed and developed to help our clients understand the nature of data breaches and what their legal obligations in each event are. If you have any feedback or want to know more about graduate opportunities at Herbert Smith Freehills, please visit our website, careers.herbertsmithfreehills.com forward slash UK forward slash grads. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Millan, could you introduce yourself, your role at HSF and your role on this project?
1: Yeah, sure. My name is Millan Baxter. I am a first year associate in the technology, media and telecoms team at HSF, TMT. My role in this project has been to work with my colleagues Adam and Ed Duboulay at Senior Associate to develop a prototype app for data breach notifications.
0: Thank you. Adam, would you like to introduce yourself and your role at HSF and also on this project?
2: Yep. Yeah, so my name's Adam Morris. I'm a fourth-seat trainee at HSF. So I'm currently sat with Millen and Ed Duboulay in the TMT team. So I've been helping to think of... The ways we can build this software, so thinking very much from the ground level upwards and then helping from a project management perspective to liaise with the colleagues we've been working with in our other teams around the firm, such as the legal operations team, to really get this show on the road.
0: Milan, can you describe in a sentence what GDPR is?
1: Yes, I can try. The GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation, is a far-reaching piece of EU legislation which governs the rights and protections of individuals' personal data.
0: Excellent. Millen, could you give us a broad outline of the challenge, uh, HSF solution, and the wider purpose of the tool that you've created?
1: Sure. Um, so this is all in the context of the GDPR, the European General Data Protection Regulation, which you'll no doubt have seen and heard about in the news. The regulation came into force in May last year, and it introduced far-reaching changes to the privacy rights and obligations on companies that process personal data across Europe and, in fact, any company in the world that processes the personal data of any European citizen. So it's a very powerful piece of legislation, and uh, there are potentially huge fines which can be levied on companies for breaching it. One of the regulations under the GDPR is an obligation on companies to report a personal data breach to the regulator, which in this country is the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, within 72 hours of becoming aware of that breach. The problem is that the circumstances in which you have to make that notification are very vague and currently untested under the regulation. So our goal is to make that clearer for clients to be able to come to a decision and instruct us
2: at appropriate point.
0: Great. And Adam, how has HSF responded to this challenge that clients are facing?
2: I think one of the main things it's done is it, it's almost gone out and seen that this is a potential challenge that may be there in the market, more so than respond, being receptive and waiting for problems to occur. So they've very much gone out and anticipated that this is an issue that the clients are likely to face, this, the 72-hour time window that companies have to report any obligations is extremely tight especially when considering that as soon as you find that a company finds out about a data breach that the person who finds that out is going to probably be quite panicked and be very stressed and to navigate through the complex legal world of understanding what obligations are upon them is quite tricky. So HSF kind of came up with the idea that we can give clients a tool where they will be able to work this out and identify their obligations for themselves rather than going through a stressful process of having to ask a million questions to lawyers straight away and not really knowing where to start.
0: So Millan, how, how did the project come about?
2: I think the project came about
1: some time ago in that text of the GDPR was released to you know the market and the world uh, before it became uh, effective it became apparent that there were huge risks for companies and also some pitfalls in the in the sort of vagueness of the obligations so the obligation we're talking about is article 33 which says you have to notify the regulator unless the personal data breach is unlikely to result in a risk to the rights and freedoms of natural persons so i mean in a a day-to-day practical sense that's really unclear and i think clients did feedback that point to the leaders of our team and people doing the day-to-day work and everyone in the data practice both on client side and and in law firms is in agreement that this isn't the clearest so i think hsf decided to take steps to to work with clients to put something in place which might make it a bit easier
2: and i think the in terms of the the practical approach and and when this really took a kick. The The firm has been quite active in advocating its desire to innovate and to be real leaders in the market. And so the, the executives and the leaders of the firm have recently rolled out what they've called an Innovation 10 project, which is essentially a project which not just enables and allows, but actively encourages all its fee to dedicate a certain amount of hours away from what would be traditionally thought of as client billable work and spending that time trying to work towards identifying areas that we could innovate uh, in various different ways and ways in which we could come up with solutions to problems that our clients may have in a more proactive way rather than simply waiting until they give us instructions when they've had a problem.
0: And so through that, um, you'll have had interaction with members of of my team. So within process and automation, we have uh, legal process design, we have innovation, and we have legal automation. And with that legal operations support, what were the other key factors do you think that made your ability to to create this solution a reality?
2: I think the main asset that we've been able to, you know, rely on to make this is, is those teams that you've mentioned. I think we the benefit of having the various different parties involved is that the TMT team, the, the fee earning, the lawyer's side are, are very aware of the problem. And we can start to put pen to paper and thinking about, OK, how can we try and resolve this from a legal or commercial perspective? But we wouldn't know where to start when it came to the the actual practical software or process to go through to actually you know have an end result that we feel like is ready to be given to clients and you know effectively represents us and our brand without us having to have any input on that and I think it is those extra teams that we've been able to work with that really has helped us turn that into reality.
0: So Milan are you able to describe to us the process for developing the idea and then planning its delivery?
1: Yes so I think we understand in, in basic terms how a logical decision tree works in that you can map um, the outcome of uh, a series of questions based on you know the information and the parameters you define. So what we did was we sat down, me, Adam and Ed, and we looked at the underlying legislation and kind of analytically worked through it in a kind of so in this, if this happens, then you go to this stage. And if that happens, then you go to this stage. But it gets a bit more complicated because it's not always black and white. So you're looking at degrees of risk, uh, likelihood of risk, likelihood of harm to individuals. So we did a kind of big mind map on the board of all the different types of risks we could think of and ended up going down you know, lots of rabbit holes and having quite heated discussions about different types of things. But it was a really good... A complete different experience to working on day-to-day client work which is you know very much driven by whoever's the the lead associate or partner on the matter to to being something where adam and myself will our opinions are of equal worth to other members of the team because none of us are experts in this type of thing so after we did that mind map then adam very kindly took the helm and and put it onto paper I think we used a PowerPoint um, with um, interactive links which would go through to different stages as if you were on a a website and clicking through on a sort of um, online questionnaire.
0: And Adam, what was your experience of those meetings?
2: Really enjoyable, really productive. I mean, I'd put a lot of groundwork in so that the EU has produced guidance as to the way in which the regulations should be interpreted, in which circumstances a notification would be required. And One of the main reasons why it's so difficult for clients to know this is because that guidance is about 35 pages long so my first task before we got to those meetings was to you know look through that information try and distill what questions we'd want and then it was literally a case of presenting okay here's what we have let's try and work out what are the questions we need to ask about this, What are the what's the logical design, what's the logical route that the questions could follow. And it was a really unique experience in terms of my time and projects I've been involved in at the firm, turning up at meetings where I am effectively presenting the output, I'm presenting what we have for everyone else to then develop and, and chip into. Usually it's a case of trainees will be there and they will be, you know, they will help to contribute to a design that others have then finalised and are presenting and then they'll be able to provide input because it's not as if trainees just sit quietly. But it, it did mean that the meetings themselves were a really unique experience where I felt like I didn't just have to hold my tongue for fear of, you know, speaking out of place. The other thing we
1: bore in mind when developing it is, so one of the aims of this is, to make it easier for clients to work out whether they need to notify the regulator or not, but also to make it easier for them to instruct their lawyers. So part of the tool we're developing is that it will eventually produce a report of all of the answers, which the client will have the ability to send directly to us, which in theory, would take away the time of us asking all those initial questions when the client is stressed and under this ticking clock situation. So we'll be able to get the printout and and immediately deliver um, much more relevant and precise advice than we otherwise would. So we're looking at it from the other side as well.
0: Can you describe what a a client sees when they're using the tool and and what difference um, our tool will make to them?
1: I think the tool will distill the key questions that a client needs to consider um, into an easy-to-use, clear format. Um, Rather than frantically looking at the legislation or the guidance on the regulator's website, uh, clients will be able to simply step through in a logical way, answer a few quick questions, just as you would an online survey, um, and come to a a, a decent, um, you know, practical way forward.
0: So what what are they doing on screen? Are they they reading text? Are they selecting uh, from a set of responses? What does it look like?
1: So it's a combination. Um, If you imagine a a satisfaction survey you might do on on the internet, um, there'll be some questions where you simply select yes or no some of the questions will have a sliding scale of of uh unlikely to likely to highly likely and there will be some uh, free text entry pages as well where they will be able to uh, flag any relevant details to us if if helpful um so it's a combination but um we hope that it will it will be um Quite slick by by the end and it's it's quite smart in that it will it well it follows a decision tree so answering a certain answer to some questions will skip certain questions and take you further down and,
2: and the, the variety of the the ways in which you're asking the questions i think really adds towards what we're actually providing as the end output solution in the sense that whilst the free text boxes that we're providing to clients to say tell us what the problem is there's no logical way which we've been able to use that to help identify what the solution is but then at the end when it comes to preparing a report then we will be able to identify and say this is what's happened because we've just taken that information directly from them Um, in the same way where there is a serious risk and the conclusion of the answers to their questions or to our questions is that a notification is definitely required the idea is that by giving the clients an option to answer a few more questions we will be able to produce a draft report for them that they can just send off and then that's that's done for them the the benefit of having different types of question types we can ask
0: so milan's really interested to hear how you interacted with both the innovation teams and the automation teams
1: so we sat down in a room with the automation team and they gave us a really helpful demo of Neota Logic, which is the piece of software which enables us to build this data breach notification tool. And it's a really great piece of software because it is accessible to lawyers, because it uses more natural language than raw code. So it's very easy to see how what we want can be put into practice and materialized really easily. Not easily, because <laughs> obviously the wonderful automation team do lots of hard work behind the scenes. But it helps us get, a, you know, a really clear insight of, of the end product, I think, much quicker and visually than we otherwise would. So, and then we we sort of worked as a team to take actions and divvy up responsibilities. Our team would go and do the sort of legal analysis and provide the questions and inputs required to develop the tool. And then we just had a series of meetings, really, and ongoing discussion to develop it and refine it and giving each other helpful ongoing feedback on, you know, how we could improve it and whether that was what we wanted or could we change this bit or that bit. And yeah, so I think an ongoing collaborative discourse
0: would be how I'd describe it. And you personally, do you feel that the support that you've been offered from these wider teams that you describe will help you to be more creative in in solving clients' problems?
2: I, I think so, mainly because originally is when you start as a trainee lawyer you know your understanding of what your job is going to be is very much based on what you've been told at university and what you've done what exams you've done the different types of analysis whether it be analyzing something or a situation based questions you don't think about the more proactive practical ways forward, and the the different teams that we've worked with are, have really kind of opened our eyes i would think you disagree with me if you, if you think i'm wrong um really opened our eyes to the different possibilities that are out there and really enables us. We all say we want to be able to be proactive and solve problems before they occur but at times there's a limit to how effective that can be but I think that working with the different teams and understanding what their capabilities are has really helped us realise that that can be made a reality.
0: And how about you Milan?
2: I completely agree
1: with Adam. Um, I would say that I really think that technology is now just ingrained into the mindset of lawyers at hsf definitely in the tmt team whenever we are instructed on a project we're always thinking of ways we can use technology to make our work better or more efficient or cheaper for the clients in fact many clients when requesting you know a, a pitch or a quote for a new work will actually say that they're going to mark bidding law firms on their innovative use of technology and and HSF has certainly invested massively in its innovative technology capabilities.
0: So were there any particularly important moments or decisions in the process of, of bringing the app to life?
2: I think one of those meetings, actually, one of the first meetings where we sat down and having initially thought, OK, what's the logical route that this would take in terms of the questions that we'd want to ask and the information that we'd need to get from the app in order for it to be effective? We then thought from... We turned our heads from the analysis perspective to the commercial understanding of, you know, what does the client want? What is the service we're trying to provide perspective? And that really reshaped our thinking of what questions we wanted to ask, how many questions we wanted to ask, and really took us back to our initial kind of highest level question of what do we want our clients to be able to see when they are picking this up when they are suddenly very stressed because they can't, they've they just found out that they've got a data breach. What's the most effective way to get the outcome from them, to get the information from them, but also to provide the information that they need? And it was at that point that we realised the long list of questions that we'd initially thought of, whilst great for lawyers in making sure that we can give the most concrete tight-knit piece of correct advice possible actually it wasn't really the end products that clients in that heat of the moment situation would want to see and that really sharpened our minds I would say and put into focus what we wanted to achieve and I think the project really did accelerate from that point onwards.
0: Great that, that user focus is, is always fascinating how it, how it, it shapes what, what it is that you're doing but Millen how do you think HSF's legal experience informed the creation of the tool?
1: Well I think our deep experience in advising on the GDPR to date has certainly been really, really helpful, as well as having really, really close relationships with our data practice clients and enabling them to feedback to us that actually, in these circumstances, what wouldn't be helpful is a 15-page memorandum of legal advice. In fact, a quick, you know, guesstimate, as it were, as to whether you think we might need to tell the regulator about this is much more helpful. Again, also, many data practitioners are not lawyers. They're, they might be different people within the organisation. So they're not going to necessarily open the legislation or they might not even be the person who has day-to-day contact with the company's lawyers. So I think HSF's position as trusted advisor to these clients, and more and more so now, we deal with people across clients' businesses and not just the general counsel and not just the you know, the CEO we do deal with people doing the daily queries on data protection and people across the business so i think our relationship with those different sorts of people has enabled us to really work out what people would benefit from and and it is it is a fast far cry from the traditional long memo of advice and i think it's definitely the future you know fewer words more concise
2: practical advice is what people really really want but I think what is being provided is still the same. And that's what's really interesting and fascinating in that, you know, in terms of what, how our legal expertise came into play here. At the end of the day, we can have as many meetings and conversations that we want about what we want the end product to look like and how we want to get there. The product, the service we are providing is essentially identifying in the client's exact position and situations in a very clear, quick way whether or not this 30-page guidance about one piece of legislation actively affects them. And I think that's where the the legal expertise comes into play in that we were able to identify all the different possible scenarios and combinations of information and the ways in which a data breach may have occurred and we're able to map out what we think would be the relevant advice to give in each of those circumstances, which is what the app at the end of the day or the tool, sorry, would would need to produce.
1: Yeah, it's that whittling down of of a huge amount of information into what is relevant for the client, which is, you know, a daily legal skill, which we always use. And that hasn't changed. But I think the mindset is definitely different in development of the app or tool in that it is more iterative. And we discussed when there were, you know, big changes in the approach or to what the tool might look like. It's much easier to do that in, in a sort of software development way because you are going into new waters and... You realise that some things might not work, and then it's okay for it not to be perfect in first release because that's not how software tools work, and they develop and incrementally improve.
0: So, Adam, what what did you enjoy most about your involvement in this project?
2: I think it was the ability to take the legal and analytical skills that I've honed over degree and you know law school and a year and a half as being a trainee lawyer and using them in a whole new way. I've spent time answering problem questions at university where I take my knowledge of the law and I take the situation in front of me and I say, okay, how does one apply to the other and try and give an outcome? Whereas what we're doing at the moment is we're trying to look at the law and then try and bring out of that what information we need to know, how can we provide advice, sitting there and trying to think of every different possible scenario that a client could be faced with which would then lead them to using this app because obviously if we're giving them an automated piece of equipment rather than coming to us for advice, if they're asking something which we don't cover, it almost nullifies the point of having it in the first place. So we, you know, there was a point where we circulated a spreadsheet and tried to think of every single possible type of information that someone could have been given access to, which would amount to a breach and therefore would kick this whole process into play. And it was just a really great experience being able to take those skills and use them in a whole new way and think about what questions I'd want to ask but then think about them in a logical format and think about how they relate to each other and drawing weird arrows between questions rather than just having a long list that you'd then want to send out in an email it's just a whole new way of working and to be given the first crack at the whip essentially in terms of putting that together I had quite a lot of creative license which I really did enjoy and it did mean that in those meetings that we had to discuss it I was able to really back myself, back the you know the information that I'd put together and be able to talk about it in a productive way. I think a lot of the times when trainees are working on something that then is used in a meeting, they're then supporting others, whereas this was a real chance to take the lead myself.
0: Adam, was there a surprise or a standout moment for you on this project?
2: I don't think it was a surprise moment, but standout moment, I would say, would be when the idea first came to life. And by that I mean... I was given a blank canvas which I quite enjoyed but was also quite challenging in the sense of I was given a 35 page working guidelines that the EU had released alongside this notification provision in terms of what it meant which scenarios would have to be notifiable scenarios Um, and I needed to turn that into a decision tree or into a set of questions which we could ask clients or which we could, could really become the backbone of the tool that we're that we're building um, and working out the way in which they connected and the structure of the questions in a way that was logical but actually managed to get all the information we needed and actually did tick all the boxes of those guidelines and really did get to the crux of knowing what information was required when that eventually made its way on paper with kind of coloured arrows as to routes that the structure of the tool would take or with highlighted uh, words which would... Mean that the word would be defined for a non-legal user to understand what it meant, and really getting that on one page and being able to send that document in an email and present that document at a meeting to a senior fee earners and say, "Here's what I've done. I'm going to talk you through it. Let me know what you think." And for that to be well received, even if it in the end didn't become the exact software or the exact structure that we worked with, that really did create the momentum for it, and we did work from that as a you know as a build type so for that to have been well received having been given a complete fresh canvas and not really knowing where to start i think was a standout moment for me
0: and how will you use what you've learned in, in your future work
2: there's i mean there are so many different skills that i picked up throughout so that presentation in meetings for example is is one of them where i was really being able to discuss my work which is a real skill i think and an asset that is taken for granted one of the, the position I'm at in my career now is that I'm about six weeks away from qualifying as, you know, an associate and will be leading client meetings and will be the ones needing to manage those relationships. And I think that the experience of doing that internally will be really helpful. In addition, the the project management side of things, moving the, you know, the project along will come in really handy as my career develops. But also that proactive thinking, a lot of what we talk about in HSF are very, very big on this is we are offering our clients services. And a lot of that comes down to being proactive and giving them the answers to questions that they don't actually realise they have yet and answering problems that they don't realise they have yet. And that's definitely something that this, that analysis exercise will be really helpful in putting together.
0: Merlin, what do you typically expect of a trainee on a project like this? Um, Well,
1: you know, this was one of the first projects like this that I've done as well. So no sort of predetermined expectations but in terms of general responsibilities of a trainee I mean with a matter like this it's great for the trainee to really really demonstrate their project management attributes because obviously not myself but there are more senior lawyers involved who are directing the strategy of the project but really really rely on the more junior associates and trainees to to push it forwards and really, really trust in them to get things done. There's no sort of micromanagement or chasing emails and stuff like that. It really does allow the trainee to take charge and push it forwards in the in way that they see fit. And Adam's been great at checking in for advice when he needs it, but has actually taken loads of great value judgments and just pushed forward with it. So that's been really, really great. Um, and obviously the meetings we discussed and where we talked about the the legal analysis and the more technical side obviously it's great to see the trainee having done their homework and you know <laughs> adam's like smiling and raising his eyebrows but um <laughs> it is it is good to be able to trust that the trainee has done all the sort of background reading and you can really rely on what they're saying and then move forwards rather than you know having to go over it again
2: the project management point is a really interesting one and you said about the the lack of chasing emails because one thing that i found happened quite a lot in the early stages of this where the team very much wanted to take this forward and move quite quickly and i think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves in timings purely because of making sure we wanted to get it right but also at the same time it was important to realize that we were doing this alongside all the other work that we do and there were times when i was catching the team up on an email that I'd had with someone on the automation team just to keep things moving along and they had not forgotten about it, but it was something that wasn't at the top of their mind, wasn't on you know, at the forefront of their to do list and it very much served as a from a trainee purpose, it served me well in terms of being able to demonstrate that I was on top of things and able to move things forward without direction, which I think for a a junior lawyer is, is A really encouraging thing to show because it does allow for people to micromanage less in the future and really trust and enable you to get on with what you need to do without feeling like they need to be always on your case and checking in.
1: It's not to say that Adam's role in this has been purely project management related though because we're all involved in the strategic discussions that have taken place on it and Adam and myself have voiced our opinions on what we think the strategy should be. So it's not just a sort of day-to-day grind kind of job. It's a really great opportunity to to shape something.
0: Millen, how how do you think it benefits a trainee's career to be involved in this kind of innovative project?
1: I think it really allows a trainee to lead on on something which is self-contained to a certain respect and is kind of independent of their other work, which may often be quite reactive and last-minute and stressful at times. Um, this project really allows trainees to really think about how they want to be involved and how they're perceived by other team members and really sort of build their profile and impress, I guess. It's a great way to, to show what you can do.
0: Thanks, Milan Thanks, Adam. And thank you for listening today. If you want to know more about life at Herbert Smith Freehills or hear our other podcasts about different work we've done, please visit careers.herbertsmithfreehills.com forward slash UK forward slash grads.